first one is to do a lot of research because there are a lot of companies out there hiring uh, remotely. We know because when we interview uh, candidates, we, they tell us what other companies are considering. You want to make sure that uh, you've done all your research to consider, consider all your options. Want to discover new parts of the world while filling the pet-shaped hole in your heart? House-sitting website Trusted House Sitters gives you the chance to live as a local in over 130 countries, opening the door to a world of travel possibilities. And with thousands of pets looking for caring sitters like you every day, there's no doubt you'll discover the perfect travel opportunity with the perfect travel companion. Whether you want to wake up in a Spanish beach condo with a cat or a high-rise apartment in New York City with canine company, house-sitting allows you to see the world in a new way. And not to worry if cats and dogs aren't your thing. Trusted House Sitters has pets of all shapes and sizes, from alpacas and horses to rabbits and hamsters. Find out more about house sitting and unlock a whole year of unlimited sits with adorable pets by visiting trustedhousesitters.com or download the Trusted House Sitters app on the Apple or Google Play Store. Welcome to the Digital Nomad Cafe podcast, the show where we discuss what it takes to create a sustainable long-term online business in today's fast-moving environment. We talk with industry experts and freelancers alike to find out what it takes to build and manage a location-independent business. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Digital Nomad Cafe podcast. I'm your host, Adam Finan, and today's guest is Nicholas Vandenberg, who is the CEO of ChiliPiper.com. In 2016, he co-founded his fourth startup and presently is the CEO of the SaaS company ChiliPiper. Its mission, its mission is to reinvent the system of action of sales professionals to provide them with new levels of productivity and job satisfaction. The firm is reinventing scheduling, calendar and inbox, the main apps used by revenue teams. Chili Piper is a perfect guest and is fully distributed, leveraging global talent with employees in 35 cities in 15 countries. Hi, Nicholas. Welcome to the show and thank you for joining us. Why don't you give us a little bit of a background in, into, you know, how you got into working online and, you know, what did that look like for you? Yes. So as I said, the, the company is fully distributed and it was a, a strategy um, we took on very from the beginning. Um, I say we, so my wife is uh, my co-founder, Adina. She um, <clears throat> has a background in product development. She and I love traveling, so she's from Romania. I'm originally French, and there were two reasons why we decided to go distribute it like that. The first one is that we believe that there's talent everywhere. So coming from other countries, we figured that uh, we found a lot of uh, very talented people in these countries, and we know that there are there are this, the same level of uh, talent everywhere. So we decided that we would, instead of being limited to a particular city, we would just access this talent everywhere. And the other piece is that we believe that people should, uh, nowadays with uh, remote work, people should live where they want. Uh, you know, there's no constraint. Uh, Alina and I love traveling, so we apply to ourselves. We're always on the move. And uh, that was the, the foundation of uh, how we did it. And from, the, from day one, we said we're going to hire people no matter where they are, and we're going to let them uh, operate from, from where they want. So that's how it got started. That's how it got started. And like you said, now you're up on you know 42 employees who are distributed around the world. So I guess when it comes to hiring for a company like yourselves, you know, where is it that you go to find employees? Um, is it the freelancer? Is it your typical job boards? Is it specific ones? What would that look like for a company like yourselves? No, it's something very interesting. Uh, there, there's the demand from workers to uh, work remotely. 
and it's a combination combination of two things. Um, some of them uh, can't find the right opportunity where they are. So, for example, um, we have a few people in Bratislava, Slovakia, where um, they wanted to work for an international company and couldn't find the right one where they were. And others, uh, just people who want to travel, and so they're going to look for companies that enable that. So the number one uh, source of talent for us is the remote sites, like we work remotely and other sites of, like that, uh, where people volunteer to look for a company that's going to let them work from where they want. So that's by far been the biggest. On the sales side, because uh, we sell to salespeople, so obviously we talk to a lot of salespeople, I must say a big source of talent has come from people who use our tool, their customer, and next they want to make a move and they call us and say, look, uh, I'm, I quit my job. I, I want to work for Chili Piper. Obviously, we do not want to go after our customers' employees. We never do. But but uh, very often, we find that, that uh, they will leave their job and reach out to us and come and want to work for us. And an additional... That has worked, uh, provided a lot of, uh, of great uh, resources. Yeah, I mean, I've seen that even with, um, you know, Shopify. I work remote for Shopify Plus and, you know, there's people who work <clears throat> on our team who've come from agencies, who've come, who used to work with merchants. And it's not that they left for Shopify. They just uh, were leaving that job anyway or, you know, they'd outgrown or they'd grown as far as maybe they wanted to, to grow in that company and they were looking yeah, for something right. different. And then they come over, right. <laughs> you know, and... Uh, and, and and that's just how it happened. It's just kind of natural. So can we talk a little bit about the tool? You know, like you're saying, it's, it's for sales teams. You know, what problem does this tool solve? So l- let me give you the big picture, the, the vision, why I started the company. As you mentioned, I had done several companies before. Um, and as I said, I, I um, helped a friend run a, a sales team for a telecom startup. And I was um, amazed when I... Uh, got everybody to um, be on Salesforce or CRM that um, it was like a, a few years back that Salesforce had not changed much and they were all reluctant to use it. And I thought that's impossible. I mean, uh, there are tools uh, to do everything. There's tech to do everything. There's got to be a much better way to help salespeople do their job. And so um, I decided that it was time for me to go back to uh, doing uh, entrepreneurship. And that's what I was, that was the problem I was going to address. Uh, I love sales, I love selling, I love talking to salespeople, uh, and I love starting companies. So I thought putting the two together is the way to go. And the next question is, okay, that's all very well. That you have vision that you're going to help salespeople, but how, right? What is it that you do? Thought was, what is it that they use and they need to do in their job? And the uh, obvious uh, answer is that they send emails, they book meetings, they make phone calls, they, they hold meetings, right? And so everything is happening in their calendar and their inbox. So from day one, we thought, okay, that's where we need to be. We need to reinvent their calendar and their inbox uh, and the phone system uh, to help them do their job better. And they say, okay, that's all very well, but how do we go about it? And so the, it's like you go from that big vision to now let's get started. And you can't just say, here's a new email client, tell me what you think of it. We had to find a, um, a problem that's very specific that we could resolve, solve, uh, and we knew we could get immediate um, customers and paying customers. So that problem uh, came to us from a company, a company called Five Star. They they said we have this problem where uh, we have prospecting teams uh, calling people, and they need to book a meeting for selling teams, 
but it's complicated because we need to distribute them. We need to run robin them and and uh, and find the right people. And uh, at the same time, we need to put in the calendar, so we need to find the right people, uh, who's available, who's not available. So that was a little problem, right? Uh, and we thought, are you willing to pay for that? And say, we'll prepay $20,000. I said, well, it looks like a good sign. And then I call other companies and say, hey, do you have that problem? Yeah, would you pay for it? Say, yes, we'd pay for it. So we got started with, with, with that uh, problem of scheduling. And that got us started. And then we got into a bigger problem. So now I'm, I'm to- going to talk about what we're really doing now. The, our big business is a, a simple problem that was unresolved until us, which still puzzles me. Uh, you know, when companies, um, especially B2B companies, uh, spend a lot of dollars of, uh, on marketing and their call to action is uh, request a demo or uh, contact sales on their website. And when the prospect fill the form or request a demo, they get a page that says, thank you, somebody is going to call you. And the prospect is left wondering well, who's going to call me when, and, right? And and then you get a call maybe in ten minutes, maybe in ten hours, maybe in ten days. And in, companies are losing more than half their uh, inbound pipeline that way. And that, that sounds like crazy to me. So we built a smart solution that gets into that form page. It's a piece of JavaScript that in in real time get that data from the form, qualify the prospect, find the right rep to take the meeting. We can dial the rep in real time and connect with the prospect in real time, or we can retrieve the calendar and have the prospect book. And as a result, everything is done instantly and connected instantly. It seems simple. It was actually quite complicated to build, but but now it's working beautifully. So we have companies like uh, Intuit, Gainsight, uh, HP, a lot of uh, big logos uh, using our solution because it's so much better. I, I mean, you can see obviously on your um, uh, on the homepage. I mean, I, I can see even Grow.io. I know they're one. I mean, everybody will be familiar with some of the others. Trip Actions. I use that regularly. Twilio, Trip Actions. Um, now we have Airbnb. We actually uh, Shopify is a customer now, and so is so is Spotify. So we got all the <laughs> you've, got, you've got all <laughs> of them. <laughs> that's right. That's right. No, for good reason. It 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 it's makes sense that uh, you would take action immediately and if, if software to do it on your this meeting request then you want to do it and so that's that's our core business right now and at the same time we're working on um, a new inbox so something super exciting that uh, took us a long time to develop um, but we're getting there it's this idea that uh, when you're in sales um, very often when you're interacting with the customer you need to discuss that interaction with somebody else so uh, either you are going to ask your boss, what, what should I respond? Right? They say, look, uh, he says he can't do it uh, until next month. Uh, or he's not the decision maker. What do you recommend I say? And so right now, the, the solution for that is uh, people slack and say, hey, uh, or get on a call, say, hey, can I uh, pick your brain? Uh, this problem. Well, now with a collaborative inbox, you just uh, have a comment and chat directly in the inbox. So when you get a, an email from a customer, you can just ping somebody who's going to help you and say, hey, look at this thread. Uh, what do you suggest I do? Or can you help me with this and that? Simple, at least apparently. <laughs> it looks simple, but it's very powerful. So we, we are going to launch that in the coming month. And that's the second piece towards our view of uh, you know, reinventing the inbox and calendar of salespeople. 
Yeah, it brings the conversation, it centralizes the conversation because, you know, when you take things out into Slack or, or Skype or whatever other tool people are using to message, you know, things can get lost in translation. Somebody else could pick it up and they didn't understand the context of the situation because they weren't privy to it. They never read it. So all these things are very important, especially when it comes to sales, you know, you're just moving people along the pipeline, hopefully, and all of that context is super important. Yeah, exactly right. Plus, often reps represent things differently, right? So you'll say, my customer is very angry, uh, we need to act immediately. And then you look at the email and, and there's just a slight touch that uh, you say, the customer is slightly frustrated, right? And, and others uh, do the opposite and say, are we okay? And you look at that and say, Jesus, you're going to lose the deal. Uh, so by having the full access and full context, uh, you're able to uh, do a much better job. The one thing that drives me mad about Slack is I wish you could do voice message on it. <laughs> I'm just going to say that's the one thing about Slack that it's like sometimes you just wish you, wish you could just send a wee, wee 30 second voice message and it would make things a lot easier than type, type, type. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Voice carries a lot more information, doesn't it? Absolutely. I mean, even the new yeah. link, LinkedIn voice messaging has been quite useful. You know, I've been using that a fair bit. Um, and uh, we spoke with the last guest, uh, Daniel, and he runs an uh, e-commerce um, like a email and messenger marketing agency and you know they've started doing that on linkedin and it's been working really well for them as well so uh, interesting uh, voice messaging is, is but, but yeah so it's just it's just my own thing it's just i guess it's how people prefer to communicate you know so for me it's like little voice messages probably used to because it's like whatsapp you know you use whatsapp every day and you start to send voice messages and you have to sit down then and type and you're just like ah <laughs> 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 can we not just talk this over so with all of these, you know, large companies that you've had coming in and starting to use your tool, um, I imagine, you know, scaling up is always, you know, a challenge for any business. You know, you can bring on a new big company and it can become difficult. So how have you and your team managed, um, you know, the, the scale and the growth of the company? You're right. It's very challenging. Um, we actually uh, book uh, more than uh, 50,000 meetings every seven days. So it's a lot of meetings that are going through our, our platform. First of all, I got super lucky. Very early on, we uh, got um, an amazing CTO and an amazing uh, lead engineer. We, uh, we put together the right infrastructure. So we, we take advantage of the cloud. In our case, we had Google Cloud. We, uh, from the very beginning, designed the system to do all the good things that you can do nowadays in terms of distribution of, of replication of, uh, of servers. And, uh, and gradually we've developed additional controls and monitoring tools to uh, make sure that our system is up and running. So we, we just said a little problem last week. And I was talking to my CTO, CTO and said, look, we have a problem. And he said, yes, but look at our uptime. And our uptime is the, he said, we just dropped from 99.99 to 99.8% uh, of time, you know. So it, it, um, it's working. It's, it's, taken, it's taken a lot of focus, uh, but, you know, we, we understand that uh, we are mission critical for our customers, right? Because if somebody comes to engage with them, they don't want to lose that opportunity. So um, we've taken that very seriously and we've put the right tools in place. Of course. And I mean, when it comes to technology, I know 
often the person using the technology wouldn't be happy. Same as if Zencaster just decided to crash right now, I wouldn't be very happy. That's right, exactly. <laughs> because we're in the middle of, uh, exactly we're right, essentially yeah. using a cloud-based phone recording system. You know, like that's what, that's all that this is. This is a phone call through the internet. Me and you were speaking and, you know, and, and I rely on this technology for my podcasts and, you know, and, and then a different one for uploading and syncing out to all of the relevant, um, uh, you know, feed channels or whatever like out to spotify and itunes and and but i understand i guess working in the industry that sometimes issues happen but you know often if you're on the front line and, and these things happen um you know it can feel worse than it is and uh, it's good to hear that you know even if google cloud had a little bit of an issue which it does from time to time you know i mean lots mo- almost when google cloud has an issue the whole world knows because next thing you know snapchat's down uber's down you know like everybody's down you know it's not just one person right, right. it's like if google cloud gets hit it's like it's like yeah it's like the same thing with amazon when when AWS went down the world world people down. realize how much like <laughs> yeah. basically the world's yeah. Infrastructure is built on those two <laughs> cloud services. You know, you're either AWS or your or your Google Cloud. Or I wouldn't actually know what the third choice is these days. You know, so well, when Microsoft is there, but we don't see them because they tend to be a lot of a corporate. Uh, you know, the, the the visible new tech companies they tend to be Amazon or Google. Uh, so so. They, they affect our life more directly. Yeah, no, look, uh, well, <laughs> hopefully now there, there's not too much of that anyway. So, I guess when it comes to um, the, the customer base that you have, you know, do, do you have some problems that you see typically like over and over again, new clients that come in? Is, is it kind of repetitive, you know, in terms of the issues that people are facing, the struggles that they have in their sales team, um, and, and, you know, that you can then provide a solution for? We are, uh, as I mentioned, very focused right now on our core product, which is this inbound uh, automation, right? When uh, prospects submit a form, making sure that it gets connected. And every company has their own process, so they have their own problems. Uh, you have some uh, companies that want uh, to go as fast as possible uh, in touch with the prospect, so they use our dialing system, and, and they're going to have this uh, issue of making sure that their reps uh, manage their presence really well, so they, you know, if they go to the bathroom, they mark it on the computer and things like that. On the opposite, you're going to have large companies um, or, or companies that work with larger customers, like uh, Gainsight, for example, that are going to be problematic more around qualification, make sure that they get the right people. So there are all sorts of, of, of problems around the inbound. I guess that's what makes it complex and therefore interesting and defendable for us, because you have to do all sorts of. Uh, logic on how to qualify a prospect on how to connect a prospect in real time how to route how to disqualify a prospect yeah. and so on but um, if this then that <laughs> what we're finding yeah what, we, what we're finding that so there's something uh, super interesting when we when i we first developed the product um with this company called segment as early customer the their vp at the time said look uh, it makes sense intellectually that we shouldn't let give a thank you page on our form but I want to A-B test to make sure because we data-driven, we A-B test everything. So I say, by all means, I'd love you to A-B test because we would also uh, want to prove that we are right. We started an A-B test in, in, in the summer 17 and um, the test got interrupted halfway through. Uh, they came to us and said, no, no, we're good, we're good. We've increased conversion plus 61%. So, uh, you know, and we want to move forward. We don't need to waste the other the other half for, for much longer. 
Uh, and so when that happened, uh, as you can imagine, uh, we thought we golden, you know, like we 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 about to change the world completely because we would not want to increase the conversion rates by sixty one percent. And it's not that it's a bit more complicated um, because the form is typically owned by marketing. The follow up process is owned by sales. Sales has already deployed a bunch of uh, people to follow up on on these leads, and our solution is often perceived as bypassing these people because these inbound SDRs. And uh, and so often there's some resistance. Right? Say everything is good. Marketing says, look, I'm doing my job. I'm capturing leads. Sales say, I'm doing my job. I have inbound SDRs who are calling people uh, well. And we we are the in-between, right? And the in-between is always a, a touchy place to be. So we we... It's probably the reason why this opportunity has remained there for so long that nobody was addressing it because it it, it was uh, something that neither marketing nor sales was complaining about. Um, and so now it's our job to marketing and sales together. I think it was behind your question what, what problem we see because we see that marketing and sales because they have different uh, metrics that they're measured on. They, they they do not necessarily see that putting the two together would make sense. So we have to. Um, educate the market, we have to bring um, them together at the table and, and say, listen, you could just be much better off if you if you collaborated on this on this new way to do inbound. Yeah, like you're, it's, it's the whole education around it because like you're saying, these people are measured on the KPI of how many people they brought through to the sales team and, and then the sales team and how many calls they made and um, you're kind of, you're re-engineering the yeah, entire exactly. situation. So, and it's, and it's probably a, a technical officer or a director or somebody who's actually having the conversations, uh, maybe, or, or, the, or the head of sales or something who, who's speaking with G and the other people. Yeah, look, maybe they're just fair. I guess for some people, there's a little bit of a fair for their job, a fair for their role, you know, that am I going to be replaced by software? Yeah. And, and it's it's about educating them. It's not that you're going to be replaced. It's just that this is more efficient and more effective we need to, uh, you know, let, let's talk about it, essentially. You know, like, let's 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 see what it is, and then that'll allow you to focus on other aspects and other areas. You're exactly right. The definitive fear of losing their job for... They, they call inbound SDRs, right? The people whose job it is to, to call the prospect who have submitted a form, and, and, and for sure they are worried about their job. The other thing, too, is that uh, human beings work with reference points. So... Uh, these inbound SDRs, they compare to the outbound SDRs, and the uh, and outbound SDRs make a lot of calls and converts, I don't know, maybe 3 or 5% of the calls they make into meetings. The inbound SDRs, they're super happy because they convert at 40%. So it looks really, really good as when you take the reference point at the outbound SDRs. But of course, if you look at it differently and take a different reference point and you think, okay, so you're telling me that 100 people requested a meeting and only 40 of them got a meeting then of course it's a very different uh, equation right but but we still have this reference where they they compare themselves to outbound and think they're doing great i've had a, a senior vp of operations at a very uh, successful company tell me i'm not touching my inbound process i'm converting at 40 percent as if it was the best uh, that could be done so now we've published uh, i think grow is one of them uh, a bunch of case studies of people Companies that had hit a plateau around 40% conversion put chili pepper in and jumped to 70 or 80% conversion. Uh, so we're trying to tell the world this is not the, the, the absolute ceiling. You know, you don't need to settle for 40% conversion. You can do 80% conversion on your meeting request. But it's an education, yeah. 
It, it is an education and, and like you're saying it's uh, it, it, it's how it's framed and it's how it's perceived you know like like you're saying there it, it, when the inbound is at that and the outbound is much lower you think or you will be led to believe that that's that's good and it's performing well and it's not until you see these other use cases where it goes up to 70-80% because it's all been routed correctly because the software is doing what it's meant to do that the situation can be vastly different in a more efficient and positive way um, but you don't see it until you That's do exactly it. Exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it's kind of like you need the case, and this is where case studies, and and you know, for yourself as a company, as a business, and most businesses, I mean, case studies are really important for SaaS companies. So, have you found that collaborating with um with Mer- or Mertens and Brands and companies who've used your software solution to be important for your marketing? Yes, absolutely. Um, absolutely. The 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 uh, leadership of other companies using our tool has helped us a lot. We we actually had a determined strategy to go after the more visible uh, people. We call it the um, bullseye strategy uh, after the, the you know the target and you go after the bullseye um, because we thought we're going to sign up as early customers not only those uh, companies that are early adopters but also those that are influencers. So. You know, when, you, when you're when you in this space, you, there was a bunch of companies you look up to. You think that who's the best in marketing operation, who's the best in sales operation, who's the best in sales, right? The, the companies have good reputation for one thing or the other. And actually, I mentioned Segment. That's one, one that's the reason why I went after them, because Segment is known for being super effective in uh, marketing operations. It's their business, right? They, they, uh, their tool helps in that process. So um, having them as customer gave us a lot of credibility. And we've continued, and when we sign into it, that gives us credibility in the more uh, enterprise world. And um, so we are gone after these uh, institutional customers, make sure we mention them on the website and we can uh, quote them and they can serve as, as uh, references. Uh, that plays a big role for sure. Of course, because pe- people look at what other people are using. You know, it's the same. I see it in e-commerce. You see it all the time. Um, you know, like when certain brands, people just want to know who are they using, what tools are they using. And like you were saying, if you align with the best in market and the best in sales, you, you know, you you know that your when other businesses are evaluating what is a tool stack, what should we be using? You're like, well, that's what Segment uses. That's what grows. So we should use that. <laughs> you know, if it can work for them and they're bigger than us or or they're our competitor, then you know, would it not make more sense to use? Yeah, but it's a rational behavior because you know that these guys know what they're talking about. They must have done uh, their research, exactly. right? But you would yeah. like to hope so. <laughs> Yeah, right. Which they did. <laughs> no, but I'm joking. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no, look, so so I guess, look, just coming towards the end of the episode, I know a lot of the listeners to the show are people who, you know, run their own online business, but it's also freelancers and remote workers. So I guess just to circle all the way back, um, and, and you know, ye are a company who hire a remote and distributed team. What are, you know, some things that you can suggest for people who are looking for a remote position when you're hiring to stand out because you know like you're saying um, often it's on the job markets we work remotely and there's a number of other job sites where people can apply but you know based on your experience and the people maybe it's not yourself who does it directly but just you know what do you feel like is a good advice for somebody who's looking to land a remote position do you have anything you could say to them yes well the first one is to do uh, a lot of research uh, because they are a lot of companies out there hiring uh, remotely. We know because when we interview uh, candidates, we, they tell us what other companies are considering. 
you want to make sure that uh, you've done all your research to consider consider all your options. I think silver lining way uh, the, the current uh, problem with the coronavirus is also going to help uh, because more and more companies realize they should be more open to remote work, and so it's likely that it will start a new wave of, of remote position. Um, so there, there are going to be more and more position, and then uh, um, from there, the way we hire is that we we have a, a hiring process for each position that's very specific. So you know, a front end developer we hire a certain way, a QA manager we hire a certain way. So we're really looking for expertise. So there's no. Um, there's no better advice than to just make sure you you pick an expertise, you focus, and you do a really uh, good job at building your personal value in that expertise. It's the same. Uh, if anything, remotely, it's even more uh, critical because, uh, on one hand, you 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 are competing with the world, right? So we we go high, we go higher in, in you know in all these places because we 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 look for. Uh, talent and so they are competing with all over the world so you want to make sure that you're focused and really build your expertise in in your domain and and make sure to research the company and what it is that they do extensively as well so because i mean these things will come up in the interview and even i remember the interviewing process for Shopify. I mean, no, like five interviews, you know, it's just no joke. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> it was five lengthy <laughs> interviews, you know, to get to get that remote position. It's it's not it's not like a one off. It's like five full on Skype interviews, you know, and and some of them up to an hour long. And and it's it is what it is, you know. And and that's that's the nature of remote work. Because I guess the difference is you don't have that trust. You don't see that person. You don't have the time to build a rapport with them. It's all virtual. It's all online. So it's you know. It's just important. To yes, but that 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 that, that means the company. I see what we do. Uh, we have to be. Um, it's a good thing because we have to be more scientific about it, right? So it's, we can't. You can't bring somebody and say, "Oh, we or like the, the the woman. Let's hire her." It doesn't work that way. You have to test, and so you have to say, "How do we test for product management, for example?" What what? And so we were constantly looking for new and better ways to assess somebody, and. Uh, and I think we're doing a better and better job at it. And um, you know, like you said, with Shopify, just because we hire remotely doesn't mean we we hire anybody. We're quite the opposite. We even more uh, even more uh, precise and filtering. Um, of course, because you, you can have a better portfolio of candidates. Because if you're just looking in a local area, like let's say you're in you know Paris and France or Lyon or something, you know, and that's the, the the cluster, and there's only a certain amount of people there who are going to be front end developers, and you have to pick from that pool. But it's very different when you say, well, we'll take a really good developer from the Ukraine or you know Pakistan or you know whatever. It doesn't matter where you are, China or, or South America. The quality of the candidates that you can get applying for the role can be exponentially higher than maybe if you were just in one little local cluster exactly right yeah and that's the benefits of remote work and that's why we love it and that's why we push it <laughs> exactly exactly nicholas so where can people find you online if they wanted to connect and reach out the best thing is to come to our website uh, everything is posted there at chilipiper.com so it's a play on world some people say chili pepper but it's not pepper it's piper uh, um, like a pipeline uh, in sales so chili uh, piper and uh, if you, uh, we're always hiring, so you'll find jobs to apply to. And if you're interested in using our solution, if you submit a form on our website, we of course use our own inbound processing system to to uh, process it. So you'll be in touch with us very quickly. 
Brilliant. Nicholas, thank you very much for joining us and thank you to all the listeners for tuning in today. My pleasure. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Digital Nomad Cafe podcast. Head over to the website to access the resources and links mentioned in today's episode at digitalnomadcafe.com.